Yeah, give me... Hmm. How about a Whopper? And... You still got any of those French toast sticks? Fine. Two singles and a regular Coke. Charlie, what do you want? Okay, um, how about a double cheeseburger with bacon? A regular cheeseburger with bacon? Jesus Christ, Charlie. Why do you gotta eat so much goddamn bacon? PCO's partner replies. PCO and his partner have been on surveillance for 46 hours. Is that some kind of cop joke? That'll be five bucks. PCO and his partner Charlie are currently on watch over at the Mexican warehouse. They've obviously taken a quick break to hit up the BK over at the warehouse. He's fucking playing you. Casper has just told Loza about a new way to smuggle drugs in from Mexico, but Loza's not interested. My boys in the Midwest looked him up, Loza. This Denny Allen guy's the real deal. You think so? Are you fucking blind, Vato? That greaseball would have given you Jimmy Hoffa if you let him go. Loza, if you would just think about our expansion. Whose side are you on, Casper? The Italians ain't gonna be doing deals with anyone after this. Casper looks frustrated. Loza, I'm sorry for working behind your back, man. I didn't intend to do that, but this connection, if we can get this? Loza looks him dead in the eyes and hands him a large pistol. The next sound I want to hear from you is the sound of that gun going off. Loza leaves the room and gathers his crew. They huddle together in a circle, about ten guys, including Casper and Loza. They're getting into three cars. The Mexicans are ready for vengeance. See, it's been four days since Arturo landed in LAX to give Loza and his crew the green light to end their arrangement with the Italians. Had Casper not killed Hollywood and kidnapped Rosso, they would have acted sooner. Casper could have been offering Loza the keys to the city, but Loza didn't care. He wanted payback, not just for Puppet and Spider, but for all the trouble the Italians had caused them. Stacy finally moved into her Bel Air apartment. It was a hard transition being in a new place, and though she would never admit it, she missed not having Rachel to talk with on lazy nights where wine and the occasional bowl of ice cream sat between them and the TV. (laughs) She found herself reminiscing about John an awful lot. In a way, their relationship was really progressing when it came to an abrupt end. Through the alcohol and drug-induced fog, the two had reached an understanding and found comfort in their mutual codependence. So it was with all this in mind, after a recent table read, Stacy invited the entire cast to her new apartment for a housewarming party. Everyone expressed interest, addresses and telephone numbers were exchanged, and a date was set. Stacy went out of her way to do it up Hollywood style. She hired a boutique catering company to supply delectable finger foods and a posh spread of top shelf drinks. When the first half hour passed without any guests arriving, 
Stacy casually dismissed it as the in thing to do. By the time an hour had gone by, Stacy knew it must be more than a case of all them being fashionably late. After two hours of solitude and several vodka sodas, Stacy wonders if she somehow managed to mix the dates up. I better check my calendar, she thinks to herself. Just then, the doorbell rings. Stacy springs off the couch, and to her surprise, it's Rachel holding a small cactus in a clay pot. Trying to hold back tears, she hugs Rachel tightly. Come in, please. I'm so glad you could make it. Sorry I'm late. I just didn't have that mix and mingle feeling if you catch my drift. (laughs) Good one, Rach. Come in. Rachel sees the elaborate spread of food, looks around, and puts two and two together. Well, first to arrive, last to leave, am I right? Stacy is still somewhat overcome with emotion. <sighs> Looks like you were right. It's lonely at the top. But who cares? Now that you're here, Stacy guides Rachel to her living room. Sit down. Can I get you something to drink? Yeah, sure. Whatever you're having. Stacy grabs a bottle of champagne along with two glasses and sits down next to Rachel. So tell me. What have you been up to? Still going on auditions? No, not really, Stace. To be honest, I think I'm done with all that now. It was never my thing. Looking back, I think it was a nostalgia trip. I was still holding on to Adam and my high school years. and So, I don't know what my next step is, but that's okay. Wow, Rach. Good for you. Whatever you decide to do, I'm there for you, girl. Listen, I just want to say, I'm sorry for the way I left. I don't want you to think it had anything to do with you. It was just, just bad timing. Stacy, please, don't say another word. You came into my life at a time where I didn't know up from down or right from wrong, I guess. The universe brought us together and nothing will change that. Things happen for a reason, Stace. I can see that now. I've landed right where I was supposed to be, and uh, let's just say I've met someone. Stacy spits out her champagne. Excuse me? Are you serious? Give me all the details. Well, there's not much to tell. He's a real intellectual. Very serious and sure of himself. I've never met anyone like him before. We're connecting in ways that I never thought possible. Wow, Rach. I'm so happy for you. What's his name? Well, John, actually. Stacy lifts her eyebrow curiously. John Arbor Franklin. Well, look at you. They clink glasses as Stacy smiles contently. You know, Rach, I'm really glad you came. Meanwhile, at Leo's gym, Vinny has just found out about the car that Ronnie, a.k.a. James Ricci, stole from their warehouse. Boss, he shot Luigi in the leg. 
He took the car and drove off. You really think he's a rat? PCO's guys are in a flushy flush plumber's van outside the warehouse, listening in. James Ricci, when he was called Ronnie, got a bug in there, but they need to be close enough to get ears on the transmission. They're talking about Ricci. Boss is going to want to hear about this. They take a shit, he wants to hear about it. Last time he asked me which way the fucking wind was blowing. Inside the warehouse, Vinny isn't acting himself. He's obviously stressed out. The gang's many unresolved issues are weighing on him. And you still ain't heard from Mickey? No, boss. We've checked his place, asked around, nobody's seen him. You gotta be fucking kidding me. Vincent turns around to see his own face reflecting off a vending machine. He punches through it without thinking. You okay, boss? Hey, Jack, come with me. He goes with Happy Jack to his office. Some of the other Italians gather up and start talking. A few more step outside to smoke. Vincent starts to pace around his office. Happy Jack sits down on the couch. Jack casually lifts a pillow up and sees the gunshots that were covered up. Ever since that fucking Eddie asshole brought in John Stone, it's all been one fucking mindfuck. Even after John got capped, he's still haunting us from the grave with that fucking envelope. Frankie, sitting on his throne with the showgirls. Me, I'm in here in the cage with the lions. Vinny, I don't know where Mickey is, but... They hear gunshots going off outside. What the fuck? Outside in the plumber's van, the two feds look at each other. Is that gunfire? Of course it is, you... Fuck! They're killing each other! Let's call it in. What else are we gonna do? Back inside, one of the Italian guys bursts through the office door. Vinny, get down. They've got guys all over. Coming back. Vinny attempts to run out of the office, but Happy Jack holds him back. Testarossa, Franco, Vinegar, and Tucci were in the worst place when the Mexicans pulled up. They were outside smoking. The first two cars drove by together, spraying them with bullets. It came out of nowhere. Only Franco and Vinegar could even get their weapons drawn before they went down. The Italians inside saw the Mexicans approaching them at full force. Having the Italians outnumbered, the Mexicans took them down fast. Watch it, homie! Fucking tweakers! Shit fuckers! Pizza face! Finney stands there angry, frozen in the moment. More gunshots are heard. They're closer now. Vinny knows the Mexicans have entered the warehouse. He takes a gun from his desk drawer and cocks it. I could kill that fucking Loza two-faced prick right now. He's the one that made it a fucking war between us. Just then, Loza enters the office doorway, gun drawn. Vincent immediately stands up with a surprised, angry look on his face. Happy Jack pulls out his weapon as Vincent stands there getting red 
his hands beginning to shake. He lets out a deep sigh, struggles to breathe, and puts his hand on his chest, the other pulling his hair in pain. Vincent falls to his knees on the floor, finally coming to rest on his back. All of your men outside? They're dead, Vincent. Vincent's eyes open wider as he takes a few quick, shallow breaths. Loyalty gets the best of Happy Jack. He bends down to help him. What the fuck? Vinny, are you alright? He takes his clenched fist and holds on. Loza shoots Happy Jack in the back. Happy Jack falls over. Vincent, I don't know if you can hear me, but now it's only you. Vincent's eyes are closed. He lies there, motionless. Loza puts two bullets in his chest, one for Puppet and one for Spider. Vincent's been part of our story since day one. Maybe it was the heart attack. Maybe it was the bullets that killed him. But he'd been through a lot in his life. He was welcomed into the crime family after both his parents took bullets that ricocheted off the bank safe next door to their apartment in a robbery gone bad. And for years, he was a low-level guy, slowly worked his way up. When they told him he was going west to L.A., he didn't want to didn't want the promotion. He was pretty happy taking bets in his cozy little queen's office and taking care of troublemakers for the wise guys. In fact, that time in his life was the last thing that ran through his mind. His rundown one-bedroom queen's apartment up on the sixth floor and his calico cat. Bob is sitting at the bar. He's several drinks in when his friend Rudy arrives and sits down next to him. Rudy reaches for his wallet and places it on the bar. He notices the empty glasses crowding around Bob's hands. You celebrating or commiserating? A little of both, I guess. Well, slow it down a bit, will you? Give me a chance to catch up. Bob takes another swig of his high life and a sip of Jack. How's the brother Picasso doing? Picasso? Oh, he's Elvis Presley now. Packed up everything and moved to Memphis. You mean to tell me I could have met my childhood hero? Thanks again for that. Took a weight off my shoulders. And if you really want to see Elvis, just walk down Hollywood Boulevard on Friday nights. Bob kills the rest of his beer and signals to the bartender. Whoa, buddy. The bartender brings Bob another beer and chaser. Rudy orders the same. You mind telling me why you're drinking this place dry? Man's gotta let off steam every now and then. Does this have anything to do with that envelope of yours? Bob reaches for his cigarettes and lights a heater. It's done. 
how far did you have to go with it? Had to cross some lines that hadn't been stepped over in a while. So you found your guy? Let's just say my assumptions were right. It was a whirlwind of a shitstorm, but it's over now. Well, that's exactly why I wanted to meet with you. Listen, this thing I've started, it's growing in every which way. Recently, we've been getting calls from Hollywood A-list types looking for discreet counseling on sensitive subject matter. Like what? It's too early to generalize, but just this week alone, I got a call from a big-time actor looking to get rid of a stalker off the books. Some producer over at Paramount calls and asks if we'd be willing to arrange a drop-off for some hush money. Shit, even this morning, fucking Hollywood royalty is sitting in my office looking to beef up his security team. Sounds like a good problem to have. You're missing the point, Bob. Guys I have, they're too green. Never dealt with any real shit. It's hard for these types to trust someone whose face doesn't have the look. The look? Yeah, you know. That thousand yard stare. A face that's seen the worst that man has to offer and isn't afraid to walk out that door every day. Bob takes another swig of his beer and chaser, then lights another cigarette. What makes you think I can do any better? Don't play that self-deprecating bullshit with me. I'm offering you a job, a good job. It'll make your wife real happy. Unless you got something else lined up. Calendar's wide open. Then it's settled. Let me get the next round. Take Irvine. Go back roads. Yeah, all right. Do I have to be the one to say it? We smoked those fools. It went perfect. I mean, Diego and Sleepy got hit, but that's flesh wounds. Loza in the front passenger seat doesn't look back to Benito in the rear. There's a cop behind us, Loza says. The red and blue lights go on. Casper is at the wheel driving. Should I dip out, boss? No. Be cool. We got no weapons, right, boss? I got nothing. Benito? No, we're clean. Casper pulls over, and the cop car does the same. One officer, the driver, waits in the car, while the other cop walks up, sticks his head down to Casper's window, and looks closely at the four guys inside. What are you fellows up to tonight? We were just at a friend's place. Had dinner. Oh, is that right? What'd you have? Tacos or burritos? You fellas got a tail light out. And you made a wide right turn back at that intersection. The cop's partner calls to him. Hang on a second, guys. He steps back to his partner. Let him go. I smell weed. Let him go. The feds got dibs on him. The other cop looks surprised. These guys? Okay. Sucks to be them. 
The cop walks back to Casper's window. You're lucky I don't have time for this tonight. Go on. Get along. We're free to go? The cop is already walking away. Move along! Fuck! Casper starts the car and pulls out onto the road. That was weird, Loza says. We've never gotten off that easy. Man, fuck those pigs. We made it, homie. Good fucking timing, too. You think they're headed to our Italian graveyard back there? Casper continues driving, heading back to their warehouse. Loza still has a serious look on his face. Rachel and John Arbor Franklin are sitting together in a peaceful park near Santa Susana. The sun has just set. The moon is a harsh mistress. Rachel nods. That's it. Rachel, there's a reason I called you today. Well, he kisses her. Rachel is happily surprised and reciprocates. Well, there's that, John Arbor Franklin says. Rachel smiles. But there's another reason too. See, I think you might just be who I'm looking for. Yeah? When we spoke outside the bookstore, I told you that we'd met before. Do you believe me? Rachel closes her eyes and thinks for a moment. Well... Did you ever feel that life hasn't given you what you deserve? Like there's something deeper going on around you that most people aren't aware of. Rachel looks surprised. Yeah? Do you often predict what others will say or do? Well, I guess sometimes, but how did you know? Rachel, your presence is strong. Even your inhale and exhale have a fingerprint. You're a supernova, burning very bright in this life. Wow, thanks. And what are you? I'm something of a solar system. John Arbor Franklin kisses her. That goes on for some time. As they're leaving the park, John Arbor Franklin stops and takes her arm. I have an extra room, Rachel. Oh. No commitment necessary, but you're welcome to it. After leaving in and out Max and Trevor paid a visit to Trevor's grandma. They sat down in her kitchen and put up with some small talk while pretending to eat her famous tuna fish casserole that had been sitting in her refrigerator since the launch of the Hubble Space Telescope. Once they obtained the keys, and after many goodbyes and well wishes, Max and Trevor gave the tour bus a thorough inspection. And when I say thorough, I mean, they basically tried to start the thing and kick the tires. The bus was in decent shape, but the pair were smart enough to realize they would need a little capital to get their business up and running. Max and Trevor decided to go pay Farad a visit, seeing as he was technically a businessman and their only real source of income. 
The pair stop by Hollywood Dreams, only to find it closed for the evening. Max and Trevor then checked Farad's favorite coffee house over on North Highland Avenue, but he wasn't there either. Even the guys at the Korean bathhouse hadn't seen him. Coming up empty-handed, Max and Trevor concluded that there was only one other place in the entire Los Angeles metro where he could be on a Friday night. The Rhino Strip Club. Boys, boys, house hanging. Sit, please, come on. The night is young. Max and Trevor take a seat next to Farad. Hey, listen, we need to talk. Okay, okay. Wait, wait. Exotica is taking the stage. I really love this woman. I mean, love her. God, just look at those hips. Child rearing hips. Praise be to Allah. Farad is taken in the show, practically drooling on himself like a weary dog. He turns to Max and Trevor, expecting more enthusiasm, and he notices their sullen faces. Guys, what's the matter? Are we going to party or what? You don't like women anymore? Been spending too much time in the boys' town? Jeez, Farad, you know we ain't like that. Listen, we came here to talk business. Business? You guys are businessmen now? You trying to make the big moolah? (laughs) Dude, we're serious. Okay, I'm just playing, you know that. What's the scam? It's legit, dude. No tricks this time. Me and Trevor are thinking of starting a Hollywood tour bus company. (laughs) Boys, you can't be serious. You know those fuckhead Irish twins have the market cornered. Hollywood Adventures. I fucking hate those pieces of shit. Do you know one of them pissed into my fucking gas tank? I'm sitting in my shop and I see this asshole walk up to my car, open the gas lid and fucking piss away. Broad daylight on a busy street and this guy's here fucking my car. You know me though. Trouble isn't good for business. I'll wait for the right time to strike. Dude, you don't understand. We have a fucking double-decker bus all ready to go at my grandma's. Just need a couple bucks to get it up and running. Farad is actually kind of surprised. Really? Yeah, dude. We're going to paint Hollywood dreams on the side. Think about it, Farad. We know our way around this fucking town, and every tour we give will end up in front of your shop. Exotica's song finishes. She picks the bills off the stage and steps down. Farad signals her to his table. She hesitates, then heads in that direction. Farad takes Exotica's hand. Baby, you were amazing tonight. Absolutely wonderful. You ask me, those junkies outside should be tying a belt around their arm and shooting up a spoonful of red-hot Exotica. She rolls her eyes and gives a half smile. Farad takes a $20 bill out of his pocket and carefully places it in Exotica's G-string. She sits down on his lap and kind of mulls over the scene while moving rhythmically to the music. So what do you think, man? You want to invest or what? Farad gives Max and Trevor a sly look. Exotica, 
Should I give these two jokers some cold hard cash to start a tour bus company? Exotica looks Max and Trevor over. They got a business plan. Before Max and Trevor can respond, Exotica continues. Because I had a cousin once tried to start an ice cream truck business. Damn ice cream melted before lunchtime. Fraud bends forward and kisses her on the cheek. Beautiful and smart. He pulls a $100 bill from his pocket and teases Exotica with it. Mr. Franklin would like some alone time with you. Shall we take a trip to the VIP room? Exotica stands up and heads there first. Oh boy. Listen, guys. I think I can help you out. But I need you to do one more job for me first. Heading back from Leo's gym, Casper and Loza's car approaches their warehouse. What the fuck is this? Those cars weren't here when we left, Casper says. The feds have been staking out Loza's warehouse for some time now. When they saw nearly every one of the gang leave at the same time, they knew it was a chance to take over the place and set a trap. They did their best to be stealth, but Loza and Casper didn't like the look of those cars. We should bail, man. Something seems off. They're driving on a small side of the road, not far from their place, trying to stay out of sight. And keep running? Nah, if they were going to tag us, they would have done so when they pulled us over. Just then, a black, unmarked car turns onto their road, driving directly at them. Is that one of them? Take it easy. Loza squints his eyes, trying to see who the driver is, as they slowly cruise along towards them. He finally notices the face. It's PCO. Shit! Back up! Back it up! Casper lays heavy on the brakes and comes to a quick stop. He puts it in reverse and floors it. He's watching the road through the rearview mirror as they go flying down the street backwards. PCO uses his legendary lead foot and quickly follows him, telling his partner to Get on the goddamn radio now! What are those fuckers doing? They're gonna get themselves killed! Back in the other car, Loza's directing the proceedings. Take it! Take it! Swing here! Watch out! Loza, I'm trying! He finally turns the car around and puts the car back in drive as they speed off. Just in front of them, a pregnant woman is about to cross the street. Fuck! Casper says as he swerves the car hard to the right to avoid her. Yo, shit! He loses control as the car spins around at full speed and crashes into a church. PCO and his partner behind them see the whole thing. Woo! They were doing better when they were driving backwards! They see Loza, then Casper and the others bail out of the crashed car, running in different directions around the church. PCO pulls the car up on the sidewalk and they run out. Two other cars of feds pull up onto the side of the church. PCO sends some of the officers around each side of the building, and he goes with his partner inside the church. I'm thinking bell tower, how about it? He opens the door and goes into the church. I'll check here. 
PCO nods and walks quietly towards the stairs that lead up to the tower. He keeps his eyes up as he climbs the steps. When he nears the top, he sees a kind of balcony open on all sides with the bell in the middle. Took you long enough, Loza says. Loza is casually leaning on the rail. PCO turns to him, gun drawn. Whoa, boy. Loza Alvarez? I recognize you from your picture. You got nothing on me. Oh, sure. You got any weapons, buddy? I'm clean, boss. Let me search you. Loza looks at him and considers. Go search yourself, pig. I didn't hear you right, Loza. Talk to the microphone. PCO lifts his gun higher. I'm ready to die, homie. What about you? Maybe you should go downstairs for confession first. I see that bulge on your back. You better slowly and carefully hand that weapon over to me. Oh, I get it. That's what you'll tell the investigators when you're making excuses for killing an unarmed civilian. You got nothing on me, S.A. Don't make me fucking say it again. All of a sudden, the church bell rings. PCO, startled, lets off a couple of rounds, and Loza falls to the floor. Fuck! PCO yells down to his partner, Call an EMT! Live action news with Fox 11. We bring you the stories first. This morning's top headline, shootout on sunset. And now our host, Red Lion. Good morning, Los Angeles. I'm Red Lion bringing you today's top stories. Last night's murder in West Hollywood left nine men dead at a boxing gym called Leo's. Witnesses say they saw three cars approach the establishment let off a hail of gunfire, and drive away heading west on sunset. We now go live to TJ at the scene. Good morning, Red. So we're here at Leo's gym where police have confirmed nine casualties from last night's brutal drive-by shooting. We've spoken to several witnesses at the scene. One man has stated he saw several assailants enter the back of the building. It's too early to tell, but on scene investigators have been hinting that this attack was premeditated. At this time, the suspects are still at large. We'll keep you informed if anything changes. Back to you, Red. Thank you, TJ. These are trying times, folks. We'll do our best to keep you up to date with the latest here at Fox 11. Now, for more sad news, cops arrested several members of the Latin Kings yesterday as gang members broke into a church... Yes, that's right, folks. Gangs are now targeting our churches. It's believed to be part of an initiation ritual. Two cops were injured and one gang member was pronounced dead at the scene. John Stone, in many ways, was a spitting image of his dad. Not just his looks, but his personality, too. But his dad flew a P-51 Mustang in the war, 
He raced cars under the name Rocky Flash. His life was so full of adventure, wonder, and glory, his son never could quite live up to it. Maybe that's why John always wanted something more. He had a Ford dealership. He wanted two. He had Terry. He wanted Stacy. And even when he had a steady operation running, he couldn't just leave it at that. He pushed his luck, put it all on red, and let it ride. But really, that's a classic story, isn't it? The middle-aged man, the midlife crisis, drugs and alcohol, cheating, and in John Stone's case, a whole lot of crime. Remember Frankie, our boss in Vegas? PCO paid him a special visit too. He'll spend the rest of his life in prison. Vincent, Loza, Mickey, Puppet and Spider, Hollywood, Tony the Ring, and others paid the price of the lifestyle, I guess. Those crazy hooligans, Max and Trevor, will be part of our story next year. And so will Rachel and Stacy. Bob will be there too. And a new central character will bring us deeper into Hollywood. Plus a whole lot more. We'd like to thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed How to Survive in L.A.